This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. I am Glenn the Geek from Ocala, Florida. And I am Joseph Berto from White City, Oregon. And you are listening to a special Horse Husbands Only edition of Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for March 30th, 2019. Brought to you today by the Shaken Fork and the Flexen Fork. And now, from the Man Cave at the Horse Radio Network. The monthly Horse Husbands episode. This one is for you guys. No horse women allowed. Well, welcome back, everybody, to the Horse Husbands episode. We appreciate you joining us once a month. And, of course, uh, the usual rules apply, don't they, Joseph? That's absolutely right. No women allowed. If you're listening to this, well, you shouldn't be. You shouldn't be. Go do something else. Go play with your horse. Give a bath. You know, do whatever. And, Just turn and this don't show Don't blame on. us when you hear something you don't want to hear. That's right. Especially a certain someone named Kara a little later in the show. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> so we on this Horse Husband episode, what do we have coming up, Joseph? Well, our first guest today lives north of Toronto, Canada, and he is a TV personality best known for restoring cars. Um, But since this is a horse husband show with no women allowed, we thought we would introduce someone who is well-known to car guys, even if there's only three or four of us that are actually tuned in. (laughs) But there is so much more to his story, including a 25-year marriage to a horsewoman. I'm sure everyone will enjoy meeting him. Plus, we meet one of our terrific auditor's boyfriends. Can we talk Stan out of becoming a horse husband? We'll <laughs> We're going to do our best. Yeah, we'll find out. <laughs> Listen in. A bad, bad host. <laughs> he was her first love, the one that started it all. He taught her how to master the posting trot and navigate her first hunter course. They spent hours together exploring the trails and hanging out in the barn. His name was doodled on every page in her school notebook. His coat gleamed in the sun as he met her at the gate each day, snuffling for a treat. From the first time she saw him poking his head out of the stall to the last time she patted him goodbye, he was, and always will be, her everything. This love story is brought to you by Nalox Advanced, providing complete support for a healthy digestive tract which reduces the risk of colic and digestive upset. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Call 859-873-2974 or visit kppusa.com to order today. Well, we are very fortunate to have a modern renaissance man visit us on the show today. Welcome, David Granger. Hi, how you doing, guys? We're, we're both doing well. Um, for people that don't know, you are the owner of the Guild, which is a restoration facility, and you and your talented employees are featured on the Motor Trend channel on the Restoration Garage TV program. And um, yeah, one, of the reasons, right, yeah. one of the reasons I wanted to contact you is there's a lot of these shows out there, but one of the things that makes your program stand out is the inclusion of your wife, Janice. 
And I wonder, how did the business start, and how is your wife involved? Well, you know, um, it's sort of her fault. Um, it always is. You know, this is a girl. Well, you know, it, it is. We we started out dating. Um, uh, you know, our first date was I took her off roading and I got stuck and I went for help. And when I got back, she was in a miniskirt and high heels. She was underneath the truck trying to dig it out of the snow. You know, so that was sort of love at first date. And she's uh, a very pretty lady, so I, I could just imagine the attraction. Yeah, she just, you know, she wasn't your normal, uh, you know, uh, beautiful girl. I mean, she had all that going for her, but, uh, you know, a lot of our first dates were spent in junkyards pulling pieces off Mustangs and stuff, <laughs> you know. Um, and then, you know, she looked at me one day because uh, I was a professional wildlife artist for 17, 18 years and had done very, very well at that over, over time. But as a, as a way to relax at the end of the day, when the light failed, I would go outside and bang and crash on old military vehicles. And I restored everything from Jeeps uh, right up to tanks. And, uh, you know, one day she just looks at me and she says, why on earth don't you work on something somebody wants? And, you know, I thought, well, gee, that sort of makes sense. Because, you know, I get these things finished and they're fun to run around in the field. There's not much you can do with them. It probably and, uh, doesn't so make we went, a lot of money. No, no. Well, I, I yet to find a formula for that. In this right. Case, so. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, we ended up buying an old uh, 79 Corvette that was uh, had been written off, and, and we worked on that and, and made every mistake imaginable, and uh, I would never do it again, and and it just sort of mushroomed from there. So uh, to say that we've been successful, I suppose, is to understate it a bit. I mean, we've, we've accomplished a lot in the last 25 years, but, uh, uh, you know, people still ask both of us what we want to be when we grow up. <laughs> if I'm understanding correctly here, so you're you've been in business for 30 years, and if I if I read this right, you've restored over 2,500 cars, which is yeah yeah, which is an incredible number. And and once again, one of the wonderful things about the show is is kind of your soup to nuts, and you have a phenomenal car recently featured, which is the Bugatti, and it's I believe it's an Aerolith. That yeah, you guys right. reconstructed yeah. from scratch. Yeah, yeah, well, it was, it, well, yeah, this is one of the greatest stupidities of my life because <laughs> I had this bright idea when I, 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 you know, I was presented with as a bribe. I mean, I, I, I take bribes. And uh, in order to get a deal done, this guy sort of bribed me with a bunch of extra parts. And, and that happened to be a complete chassis for a Bugatti. Wow. And, um, uh, you know, and, and it sat around like, uh, I probably had it for seven or eight years and not wondering what the hell to do with it. Right. And I kept on imagining bodies. And then when I sort of cemented the whole idea, it, uh, uh, it was a car that had only existed for 10 months and disappeared. It was a dramatically, uh, agonizingly beautiful car. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and it, it was one that, you know, had great mystery. So it sort of was a no brainer for me. Uh, I started building Nick Cage jumped on at one point. He wanted to be, uh, he wanted to be the patron on it. And, and, uh, he sort of ran that horsepower, <laughs> um, while he was, uh, you know, it was just before his troubles and, uh, but uh, a great, a gentleman from, uh, Virginia, uh, who was involved with the World Monuments Fund, and he, you know, he went running all over the world helping preserve uh, fabulous structures uh, like Angkor Wat and the pyramids, and and, and God knows what. Uh, he jumped in. He uh, he was referred by Ralph Lauren and uh, to me, and wanted to do a car project. And there we go. It, uh, I, that is the I, result. And now I'm stuck with the things, damn thing. It never goes anywhere. Well, one of, one of the remarkable things about it is that it's made out of magnesium 
rather than aluminum. And, and yeah. working magnesium is, is a lot more difficult. And I've riveted airplanes together. as Like you, I'm also a pilot. And mm-hmm. there's many, many rivets on, on this uh, Bugatti. It's, it, it's an incredibly beautiful job that you did building it. But to make perfection like you did, a 100% perfect car, when one slip of a rivet gun leaves a depression that would not make it be a hundred percent. And I don't even know how you, how you can make things to that level. I'm well, you know, there, there is actually, uh, there is one rivet on the car that uh, is, um, a few millimeters from where it should be. And it, when I walk by the car and I'm not, I'm not making this up. It's about the only thing I can see. Yeah. You see it every time. Um, <laughs> I see it every time. You know, and nobody else can see it. And, and when I point it out, they go, "Oh yeah, it's a little." Oh yeah, you know, and you know, but I mean, I'm, I know they still don't see it. <laughs> and the paint job on it is is so perfect. And in a lot of paint jobs, you can wet sand it afterwards and put six thousand grit, but you can't sand a rivet. And so you have to apply the paint so perfectly on this round dome thing that is like the genesis of a run. And yet the paint job on that thing is flawless. Absolutely. Well, that's it. Perfect. And well, we had to use lacquer because you know, modern urethane plastic, basically plastic paints, uh, they lose you detail like rivets. So we had to use, to use lacquer wow. because we needed that crispness. And you know, that's a, that's a project these days because nobody wants you to mix lacquer and, and uh, it's hard to get coloration. I mean, so that the paint was a project unto itself, but, uh, you yes. know, we persevered. Yeah. Right. Right. And then to, 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 I'm going to say even crazier than this is on a recent show. I think it's actually your latest show. There's another Bugatti on it called a Chiron, which it it has a fantastic shape. And and to me, the trim on it kind of looks like a horse-drawn Cinderella wagon, but it has 1,200 horsepower. Yeah, it's a stupid car. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's almost indescribable. I can't over the over the radio really describe what this this car is like. But you were offered a ride in it, and that's like Penny Chenery allowing you to take Secretariat for a run. You've got to tell us what that was like. Well, you know, I I've, I've had the great privilege of of being in some amazing cars with some amazing designers and and and, uh, and owners. And, uh, but you know, the, the ride with Tim was memorable and, you know, uh, uh, Tim is a friend and, and, uh, he's a little eccentric. We, we get in the car and, and, and uh, you know, I said, Tim, you know, you don't need to impress me with how fast the car is. Cause I've been in a lot of fast cars and he wasn't listening. And, you know, the producer said to me, geez, Dave, she says, that's the first time I've ever seen you looking scared. Like you were scared in that car. And I said, I, I was. I had to admit, I was. There was a lot of terror there. <laughs> it only has twelve hundred horsepower. <laughs> I mean, <it's> well, <laughs> you know, flight so of flame. I was. Yeah. And then, of course, afterwards, he says, "You know, you can take your hands off the steering wheel, no matter how fast the car stays on the road." I'm thinking, "Oh my God, at least somebody does." <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, I I was looking at at the smile on his face and the grimace on your face, and that that shot of the two of you in there. And, and your hand reaching for the, the O-blank handle, you know, it, it said that the camera clearly wasn't showing what it was that, that uh, you were experiencing. <laughs> well, you know, the other thing is, I mean, the way he gave that car, the, the, the traction is amazing in that car. I mean, it is uh, a beautifully designed um, piece of art. I mean, it's not anything that, that there's only 
tiny amount of people who are ever going to be to experience one of those things. So I'm very fortunate in that. But, uh, uh, you know, when he got on that accelerator, it is dramatic. It's like being, uh, you know, those old rocket sleds they used to put pilots in. I, that's, that's about the only thing I could say is got to be that same sensation. I mean, the only time I've experienced anything like that before was basically being in drag cars, you know, when you yeah. give it to those things. And this had less slip, uh, you know, right out of the hole. It's, it, it, it seems to be, it pulls faster than, than uh, like a, 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 an ordinary sort of drag car does on the strip. So uh, it's quite yeah. an experience. Yeah, I can only imagine in finding somebody that will get into a multi-million dollar piece of artwork and then thrash it. Uh, it's almost unheard of. People just don't do that, you know, as you said. Wait, in the show I, don't there. Know, I, I don't know whether you heard it, but he drove up onto a driveway. We scraped the hell out of the bottom of it. He just smiles and said, well, she's a driver. It's a, a driver, yeah. Multi-million. Yeah, yeah. Now contrast the, 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 uh, the Chiron with this quirky little French bread truck. In a, in a different show, and you were there with your wife, which is one of the other enjoyable things about this. It's not really all about just working on cars. You you and your wife go on trips together, and and you look at cars and you describe other things that you're seeing. And in this particular one, you were assuring your wife that this little French bread truck that you were just looking, and as you walked away from it, she remarked, "Let's go see the other cars that you don't want to buy." which sounded strangely similar to my comments when my wife goes to a horse sale. And then Mm -hmm. what made me call you was it turns out that Janice is a skilled horsewoman. Um, Maybe you could tell us a little bit about horses and, uh, and her love of horses and how deeply you both are involved with horses. Well, you know, I, I, I have to admit that we, we are deeply involved with horses. Bloody things are all outside right now. Um, They don't do much here. You know, uh, between the horses and the donkeys, we have donkeys that she calls donkey, uh, donkey doolittles uh, for very good reason. Um, and this was one of those things. She went to visit her mother in, uh, in, in Vancouver, and her mother is a free spirit, lives on Salt Spring Island, actually, in, in the channel, and uh, has a beautiful place on the ocean. And when she was there, her, her, her mother's partner had a couple of ponies. Janice comes back and says, you know, we we should get a horse and we're living on a nice property, but it's right next to a subdivision. And everything. So whatever we do, we're going to get a you know, board. We decided, well, let's, let's rest. If we're going to get a horse, let's rescue one. I've run sanctuaries and everything in the past. And, you know, there's lots of horses that need good homes. So we went to some people who were, were literally uh, rescuing horses from the uh, meat auction. And, uh, we drove up to the drive. We got out of the car, and they came out to greet us. And also, this huge brown monster comes around the corner and sort of goes, "Hey, what you doing?" And wanders over, and it's Clydesdale. And he's a big boy, and I just fell in love with him as soon as I saw him. And but she, he was so big, she just started backing up. I mean, she hadn't been around draft horses ever, and uh, but you know, we ended up taking him home. And of course, then well, she's got a horse, and I don't. Well, that's no good. Right. I need a horse. Right. So I start looking and there's this great big Percheron for sale. And, and I went, wow, geez, he's beautiful. He's gray. I've always liked those. You know, the, I had a painting, you know, the charge of the Scots gray. It's like, this is for me. This is, this is my horse. It's gray. So we went to look at this horse and, and we walked into this dark little barn. This is a training place and they're training draft horses and they're doing old school stone boats and yelling and screaming and hitting and, you know, all that stuff. And, and, uh, and there's this monstrous animal tied 
side to side in the middle of the barn. And he's got those huge uh, uh, hooves on and he's smacking them up and they're in the hooves, <laughs> the huge shoes on. And he's smacking them up and down. And, and I mean, it was like something from Dante's Inferno, honest uh-huh. to God. And, oh, that just makes um, me sick, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I, I, and, then, and I looked at him and I thought, oh, my God, this animal is just like a, a savage animal. And then they t- jumped on him and they rode him out. And as he was riding away, he was so beautiful. I went, I'll take him. So now and you have I two. Think, uh, and, and, and by so the yeah, way, that was my to- first was a Percheron, too. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Well, it turned out I was terrified of him. We got him, we got him home, and he was terrified of me because he didn't know who the hell I was. And <laughs> was I was beat. terrified of him, so <laughs> he snuffed it. I'm walking him with my eyes closed. He's walking behind me, and he's going, <laughs> and I'm thinking he's going to eat me. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it turned out he was the gentlest creature on God's green earth, and uh, we got the shoes off him and he, and, and treated him with love and, and uh you know, uh, many years later, we still have them. And, and, you know, there's been a few additions since then. There's seven of them out there now, all probably standing at the fence, wondering what the hell we're doing, not paying attention to them. No profit motive here. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, you know, at one point, we had five of them boarding. We were boarding five draft horses. A, any draft horse makes you eccentric. Five of them makes you crazy. And they eat a and bale of hay a day. I mean, it's crazy what they eat. <laughs> so. You know, and, you know, it's really funny, but, uh, you know, people might think it's a good idea to board. You know, oh, yeah, you can bring the horses to us. After about two months of having their, your draft horses in their tiny little stalls, they're, they're not so keen on you being there anymore. <laughs> no. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and they don't have and then, any you know, clue how much they eat when they first get there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they go, you know, these they, they go through uh, three or four bales a week. And, and when I say bales, I mean round bales, the 800-pound exactly. <laughs> five-footers. So. I'm, hearing, I'm hearing a horse-husband flaw coming along here. The next step of this was? Well, you know, then we had to buy a farm. <laughs> it, it didn't make sense to, to be boarding five horses when that would just get your mortgage on the farm. So we bought a, a, you know, a lovely piece of property with a Victorian home on it. And, you know, the house needs work. It still needs work seven years later because we had to put up a a 200 by 100 foot arena. That was first. And then we had to restore the century barn because, you know, we're not going to keep the horses in it, but it's got to be nice to keep the hay in. And, um, you know, and then, well, of course, we had to do all the paddocks. and, and, And then it turned out that there's only about six inches of loam on our property. And under that is just jumbled river rock oh, so putting fencing, fencing in and that sucks <laughs> yeah you know the, the fencing contractor sort of at the end of it says yeah we usually do 90 posts a day since oh. we were doing 20 a day here so we'll never get them back again um you know so anyway we're gradually working our way to the house you know except that now we're thinking well there's a few other but she wants some some to enlarge the paddocks. Let's just fence the whole property so we can just let the horses out. <laughs> hey, there's, there is nothing like the sound of a thundering uh, herd of draft horses. I, I have to say, I've heard it, and, and it just makes you smile to hear the ground shake and those hooves hitting the ground and, uh, yep. and all of these big creatures coming towards you. So there's a, there's and, a lot to be said it, for. There's, and all it takes is a whistle because these guys want to be with us. And, yeah. uh, you know, we've got a couple of gypsy vanners as well. And, you know, Janice took up, um, you know, she's been scattered. I mean, she likes so many different things and she gets incredibly engrossed in something and then sort of changes horses in midstream, literally, literally. Um, 
so, you know, we, we got a couple of gypsies. She did natural horsemanship and she's very good at that. She's very soft around horses. Um, she's very sort of laid back and they really respond to her. And I mean, um, you know, we were, she was doing a demonstration at, uh, a huge, uh, event in Toronto and, uh, they had something called the spirit of the horse and people were giving demonstrations of, of, of various things. And Janice was out there with, uh, uh, spirit and and he's uh pretty fan well, he, his father was one of the most famous of all of the gypsy fanners and spirit takes after his old man and he's a beautiful animal and he's incredibly bright and she's out there and she's just doing hand signals and he's running around cones and she's throwing tarps over him and then saying peekaboo and he'd back out and and you know like just uh, amazing stuff and then every time she quit he'd run over and put his head in with the kids <laughs> And, uh, you know, when she was walking up and pointing and making them go around all the combs just with hand motions, there's this woman standing there with numbers on her front and back and, and clearly a hunter-jumper sort of a lady. And she says, oh, that's just tricks. And I, 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 took, I took a little bit of an exception to that and turned to her and said, and having your horse jump over a six-foot high beer commercial is not a trick. And, uh, well, she didn't appreciate that much, but... <laughs> <laughs> it might have put it in context for her. Right. Well, we we always say on the show that if you are crazy about your hobbies, then the perfect person to marry is a horsewoman. Now, you're a pilot and a boat racer, and you like fast cars and slow tractors. And, uh-huh. um, and we've had a lot of discussions about the manly aspects of being a horse husband, and you have many hobbies. But as long as you support the horsewoman's passion, you're probably finding that you can pretty much do whatever you want. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. There, there is that. I mean, uh, she's always been pretty laid back. And, and unfortunately, we're always worse together. I mean, if we're not together, we will oh, see you something enable we want each other. not buy it. But, <laughs> but right. when we can't go anywhere where there's animals because we'll bring them home. Yeah, you know, and yeah. uh, you know, so and now we've got like seven horses, three donkeys, a mule, and 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 four dogs. And when I say dogs, a couple of our dogs are bigger than some of the donkeys. So uh, you know, it gets it gets a little crazy. It's fairly time consuming, um, but you know, I I wouldn't you know standing out. Uh, you know, all the all the hydrants froze on the paddocks this year again, second time in five or six years. So you're hauling water in buckets for draft horses. Uh, that takes a little while. Yeah, you know, and uh, and that kind of thing. And it's minus twenty five with a howling wind, and the horses are all out playing because they're not from the tropics like us. And, right. Uh, you know, uh, sometimes you think, what the hell am I doing and how old am I now? Janice is featured on the show quite a bit. Like I say, it's one of the, the endearing parts about it. But she and was she featured should. recently. She the company. It's her fault. <laughs> yeah. But she, she doesn't just own it. She works on restoring cars there, her own cars. And it comes as a surprise to a lot of viewers how well she knows her way around the shop. And I'd like you to tell us about some of the the cars that she has recently been involved in because I recall a Chevy that had a beautiful paint job and I can't imagine that she's hauling gravel for your arenas in the back of that beautiful Chevy. Well, you know, uh, that Chevy was supposed to be cobbled together and she just wanted like a beaten up old turquoise truck. You know, the kind you see sitting in the Arizona desert, that's what she wanted. And of course she won't leave stuff alone. 
she looks at the serial plate and goes, hmm, there's a funny number on the serial tag. And then she gets into that. And then she comes to me and says, hey, you know what? This is a really special truck. Uh-huh. It's the, one of 50 trucks built for the 50th anniversary of General Motors. And now we've got to do this. So now she starts doing all the research and everything. Comes up incredibly rare truck. So, you know, that justified spending three or four times more than its end value. And, um, you know, at the end of it, it's all ready to go. And um, this year, you know, she'll be driving it a fair bit. It we we didn't get it completely finished. We had it almost. It's one of those like there's a little little niggly things that that needed to be, and we got at those. And it took a long time because she got involved in another project was the 1960 Land Rover, and the concept that time was, I wanted to look just like that, and just like that meant a completely beaten up old wreck that we were basically given to get it out of somebody's garage, uh-huh. and. Tens of thousands of dollars later, it looks exactly <laughs> the same in it, but it runs. <laughs> and now it's in the arena waiting for spring because, oh my God, you couldn't take a four-wheel drive beaten up old draggy thing out in the snow. You might get it wet. <laughs> Do and you I, use any of your tractors well, that you that you own? I actually managed to get a couple of them in the arena this year. Uh-huh. But uh, most of them are just all wrapped up in plastic. I've got like 35 tractors now. I, I, you I, do. I went you back. have a lot. I do. Yeah. And, you know, and like the last acquisition was five. I don't think any of them were run for like maybe a century or so because they're all older than that. And uh, so they're probably just completely solid lumps of steel and, <laughs> and rust. And I keep looking and thinking, geez, it'd be really nice if I just restored that Hanomag and, you know, right. what's a, you know, that Eagle's worth restoring, isn't it? I mean, hell, it's going to be worth a lot of money when I finish spending another instance of 10 times more than it's worth. So, exactly. Tractors, you know, especially. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah. Well, there's I mean, a lot it, of people you know, that, that couldn't look at a tractor and actually visualize it finished and then be able to take it to that point. And, and what this is my problem is whenever, yeah, I, whenever I see anything that's ruined and when I look at it, it isn't ruined. I can see it like it's sparkling and new. And then it's, you know, it's when I was an artist, the entire painting would be on the on the on the canvas before I started, and then it was just the drudgery of getting it to the point where other people could see it. <laughs> and you know, with, with me, restoration of anything, and it's terrible. I mean, I just, I looked at an old watch the other on the on the weekend. I went, "Hey, I could I could probably restore that." And I just shook my head. Fifty dollars for something that doesn't work, and I'll probably just throw it in the drawer. So you know, I'm getting older. I'm a little bit wiser. Now, now but, you do you know, multi-million it, dollar restorations instead of multi-thousand yeah, but I dollars. Do them for, yeah, I, I do them for other people, fortunately, because there's a lot yeah. of mad people in the world. Um, you know, and you know, and it's fun. It is fun, but it's also, uh, you know, there's a lot of commitment uh, yeah. to this. And in that, you know, the horses are a wonderful pastime. And, you know, I worked, I worked in zoos. I've worked, I've had my own sanctuaries looking after uh, injured wildlife and uh, I worked for the university and veterinarians working on surgical procedures for birds when nobody knew anything about them. And, you know, I've done a lot of stuff in that thing. And um, so, you know, coming home from what could be a fairly high pressure situation when you have lots of staff and lots of clients and some of them are a little bit spoiled and demanding. Yeah. Uh, you know, you get here and, and horses are another kind of spoiled and demanding. At least ours are. But um, uh, they don't yell at you. Well, they do, but quietly. <laughs> yeah. So I have a question with the TV. When you started doing TV, how was it to get used to that? All of that being around. 
Well, you know, it was, I had done, uh, I, you know, the first time I was ever on TV, uh, I used to do a regular featured spot when I was 18 or 19 years old on something called the Elwood Glover Luncheon Day, which was a CBC midday talk show. And um, I would talk about marine uh, fish and animals and stuff. Mm. And I would, I would lug these huge fish tanks and fill them with water and put a bunch of fancy fish in them. And then they'd do their best to fry them with all the lights. And I'd talk about them and then pack them all up and take them home. And I've sort of been in and out of TV and movies and that ever since. Uh, uh, and so I was very used to being behind the camera. I was somewhat used to being in front of it. Um, and I'd done, you know, I did about 26 episodes of a, of a show for Speed Vision back when they existed in the 90s. So it, this was a fairly natural fit. And, and you know, we're, we're not acting. We're actually doing the stuff we're right. doing. And, you know, people think like Larry and I are acting. And no, we've been picking on each other for 30 years. That's how long we've known each other. You did a horse but program that, as well, didn't you? Uh, you know what? Yeah, I was, uh, I, I did. I produced a few and, uh, it sort of went nowhere. It was like 2006, 2007. We got a great sponsor who basically went bankrupt in 2008. <laughs> <laughs> no third season. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, yeah, I mean, I, what I wanted to do was, was one of the things that I, I, I have found interesting and a little perplexing is that, uh, horses are just not treated the right way, and yet we know so much about them. And I think that when people live with them in their backyards and and relied on them every day to to make their living and to and to live, you know, um, I think they treated them better than we treat them now. And I think in the last hundred years, we've sort of uh, taken the horse because we don't use it anymore. It's become a luxury item, and then there's people who look after luxury items for rich people. And I think then you've got, they've got to make it arcane and mysterious and worth their, you know, uh, the amount of money that these people are paying. And, and, and in fact, and to give you an example, um, when we got the horses, we boarded them. We were having colic problems with the Clydesdale. We were having all kinds of medical bills. It was like ten, fifteen thousand $15,000 a year uh, in medical bills. And then I kept on saying to Janice, you know, if we just treated these like they were zoo animals, because zoo animals are treated the way nature was supposed to have you know or looked after them and and i said let's just put them out you put them out and they're supposed to be out at night eating they're supposed to be because of the way they can watch predators they sleep in the day you know what i mean and you know since they've been out 24 7 they, they like coming in the barn for half an hour for treats and then they all run back out and um you know our vet bills have dropped to literally nothing there's been two-year periods when we haven't even had a vet buy so it, you know, and they don't have ulcers, we don't have colic, and we don't have any of those problems anymore. So that tells you a lot. And you know, when I worked with zoos, a lot of research went into how animals lived in the wild, and you tried to replicate their diet and and the things that they did in order to make them healthy. And I think that's what people need to do with horses. You know, sometimes less is way more with a horse. So uh, you know, I think that's a lesson that that you know uh, people should know. And that was one of the reasons that I really wanted to build a television show basically giving expert opinions from people around the world, you know, people who are involved in, in natural horsemanship and people who are involved in, in the classical arts, uh, you know, like you see, uh, you know, coming out of the disciplines created in the 15th, 16th, 17th century sure. where horses yeah. were yeah. just treated differently. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. So, yep. I do. So, hey, that's what we were, you know, that's what we were doing. And, and she, you know, bless her. She's still, sort of involved in that kind of thing and not in a very public way. She's very quiet and keeps her opinions to herself, but, um, 
she has convinced lots of other people uh, by by showing them how ours are. So, well, I'm really glad that that she is is involved with your your car show and that you've shared the the horse part of your life with us. And um, and I want to take the time. Thank you for taking the time to visit with Glenn and I and our, our listeners. And I wonder if you would share where we can learn more about you and your television show. Well, um, I guess if you go to Motor Trend, you can you can uh, find it. And and honestly, I don't pay much attention. I don't watch my own TV show. Isn't that awful? <laughs> it's good. <laughs> Most of yeah, my hosts good. don't listen We're to their own shows either. The bloody animals. <laughs> yeah, they don't. Yeah. Care. No, it's a it's a good show. I, I'm you know I, I I watch most of these car shows and they all have a hook of one sort of the next, but um your show is is uh, is is very good show to watch. You learn a lot well, and um, and I, I I love it. Apparently, it's doing fairly well because uh, the producers are, are sort of being nice to me again, and being nice to me generally means that they want me to sign something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the only time I ever see the executive producer is is. I get phone calls, you know, David, you know, you really can't do that kind of thing. I think I'll come. We, we want to go have breakfast. Uh, you know, he won't take me to lunch, but he, he flies in. It's what I've been Is it bad. cheaper for breakfast. Nice. They don't want me to do. <laughs> yeah. You know, so uh, I see him then. I see him when I've been misbehaving or I see him when we're about to get another season. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I hope that it continues. And you also have for your, uh, for your business, you have a website, if, if I'm not mistaken. We do. Yeah. It's, it's basically uh, guildclassiccars.com, I think. And okay. uh, you can see us. Uh, we have uh, we have pieces on. We've got uh, the Guild's Classics on YouTube, uh, and uh, we've started podcasts and all kinds of things that I don't have any time for. It is and, it and, is guildclassiccars.com. And on yeah. there, you can see the the pictures of this the the beautiful uh, Aerolith and probably the Chiron. And um, I imagine you bought that little French bread truck, so that's probably on there too. It, yeah, it, it it is, and if if not, it'll. It, it, we I did a piece on the on the YouTube thing for it, so you'll see it there. And and uh, stay tuned on that one <laughs> because <laughs> I I I said that I'm not going to restore it, but already we've we've cast new taillights for it because they can't be bought, and now we're looking for a carburetor kit for it, which doesn't exist. And so you know, I'm not going to spend any money on it, hardly. Hardly, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this is great, well, and, so, I did, know, and as far as, uh, I did find your sorry? podcast, because all of the people listening are podcast listeners, so I wanted to give it a plug. The podcast is called, called The Guild's Classics, uh, and you can find that up where all podcasts are found. Yeah, we just, we just started it, and um, uh, well, I don't think it's very amusing yet, but I'm sure it will fall apart at some point. <laughs> and then you can restore it. We'll help you with that. Call us. We've done a few, so we'll help you with that. (laughs) Thanks a bunch. So next up, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the Shaking Fork and the Flexing Fork. And I heard a little birdie told me that after the last episode, you got some calls and people were buying some. Yeah, it's it's pretty remarkable. That was a a Saturday episode. And um, so when something different happened on Monday, we knew that the the podcast, uh, people were actually listening. Well, they were all uh, men, though. No women ordered, right? Yeah, yeah, right. No, no women, no women at all. No. Well, I don't know. Maybe there was a, there was a little bit of both, but it was the. <laughs> and today we're going to talk a little bit about the sh- the auto sifting manure fork, which is the shaken fork, because that Monday we had a run of shaken forks, and so I thought I'd talk a little bit about that. 
Uh, you mean the one I've been using for like seven years now and I, the batteries haven't died? How is my cell phone a year old and the batteries are going already? I don't know. I wonder that myself and I, my cell phone's crapping out as we speak. So, um, <laughs> But it, would it surprise you to know that we have been making these for more than 10 years? I think, yeah, and, and we were about three years after you started making them, I think. We started using yep. them, yeah. Yep, but there are still many horse owners that are just now discovering us, and partly this is because we no longer go to any horse expos um, standing in booths to show them, but mainly it's because until you're looking for an alternative to manual sifting, you aren't really paying attention to what's available out there. But what many horse, horse owners are finding is that as they age, even over just the last 10 years, their joints and muscles aren't as flexible as they once were. And so shaking manure becomes more difficult or even painful and becomes a chore that people no longer enjoy doing. Some people actually do enjoy cleaning stalls. And depending on how many you have to clean, some people end up with a, a form of carpal tunnel, too. So That is correct. Yep. Yep. So these people, they go online and they see what can help out. Uh, with the sifting, and they discover the shaken fork. And as you know, it's a lithium-ion-powered manure fork that has a small planetary, planetary gearbox and motor. And it looks and feels pretty much like a regular fork or a flexion fork, and it only weighs slightly more. But there's a small trigger that you control that makes the tines move up and down, so it doesn't vibrate. They actually move, move up and down at any speed you desire in much the same that, way that you would do it by hand. But you don't use your muscles. You just pick up the fork and the shavings in the manure and let the, uh, the motor of the fork do the sifting for you. And it's as simple to use as a vacuum cleaner or electric toothbrush. That When you and first start using it, though, Joseph, and I'm sure everybody tells you this, you find yourself wanting to shake anyway. Shake a shake So fork. you shake yeah. a shake and fork. And then after a while... You go, well, I don't have to do that. And then, you know, after a while, you finally stop shaking the shaken fork. <laughs> so and, and that's actually when it starts working better. Sh shaking the shaken fork, um, it, it's, it's, it would be similar to, uh, I don't know, pushing your, your riding lawnmower. You know, it's just extra effort that's not really necessary. But I know that some people say that sifting shavings is their exercise. And for those people, there's our flexion fork. And that's the ideal tool. But if you're finding that your elbows and wrists, like you said, for carpal tunnel, or your neck or your shoulders or your hips are telling you that there's got to be a better way, give this tool a look and you'll find out why in 10 years and thousands of shaken forks later, we hear almost daily from horse people just like you who tell us how glad they are that they found us and that they love their shaken forks and they can't imagine cleaning without them. Um, Glenn, you know that these shaken forks has been used by your staff here at Horses in the Morning for almost as long as we've been in business. And if they didn't work, you wouldn't be advertising. Yeah, them. we don't advertise anything that doesn't work. And I've been on the same back. I haven't changed anything with a shaken fork, and I've owned it for seven years. The part that's truly amazing is now, if you clean 30 stalls a day, you'd probably have to plug it in every night. But we clean, you know, three, <laughs> three or four, and I plug it in once a month, maybe. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah, they're they're really efficient and it it belies just how much work sifting shavings is. Um we did a test early on in this thing and we found out that it takes the same amount of energy to sift shavings as it does to pedal a bicycle. 
And so people can get their exercise, but the type of exercise you get when you're shaking your muscles on and off to make the four, that's not good exercise. And uh, over time, it tends to cause a problem. So if you'd like to buy one of these for yourself or for more information, visit equitymfg.com, and that's E-Q-U-I-T-E-E-M-F-G.com, or just give us a call. Go buy one today. If you're a guy, buy it for her. She'll love you forever. Or if you're a guy, buy it for yourself because guys love tools. That's right. That's right. Except then they're going to make her make them clean, and we don't want to have to be then oh, forced right. to clean. Well, the you stones. can always get the cleaning allergy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Here it is. I bought you this for Christmas. Have fun, early Christmas. Present. Right. 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 <laughs> and but and they'll like it. That's the crazy part. Yeah. Yep. Well, we have Stan on here, who is the uh, auditor boyfriend of Kara. And Stan, how long have you two been together? It will be two years in May. Two years. Okay, good. How'd you meet? She bought eggs for me at our local chicken swap in Kentucky. Oh, so I assume you're a farmer then? Uh, more or less. It's like we have a lot of failed hobby farming ventures. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't we all? We They're very successful, <laughs> but they don't make any money. Exactly. Oh, another one of those. <laughs> yeah, like, every, like everything we try that involves farms, <laughs> including horses. So, oh, yeah. so she bought eggs from you, and you went, huh, I like her. We live in a small town, and I've actually, we have a mutual friend that had mentioned we should meet each other. So it was kind of just like, oh, hey, there's that one girl. So, yeah. Well, and she's really good looking, so I can see why you, uh, why, why she caught your attention. But wasn't she oh, yeah. originally from? Did I see that on Facebook? She's originally from Florida. Yes. How did she end up going from Florida to Kentucky? Uh, so her parents bought a farm here in Harrodsburg, mm. and I, I'm originally from Lexington, and we, I moved here three years ago, and it just. And just everything just fell into place. It's pretty country out where you guys are, too. Having lived in Lexington for four years and traveled around Kentucky, I like where you're at. So You, you live in Lexington now? No. We, we, it was too, still too cold, so we moved to Ocala. We got the hell out. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so what do you do for a living? Um, I have a boring day job. I am a project lead for a fiber optic project in Lexington. Oh, okay. And I'm also a part-time firefighter, and I'm in the last... I've jumped through all the hoops, and I should be a Lexington firefighter now. Oh, wow. Well, congratulations. My brother's also a volunteer firefighter for many, many years, so we appreciate you guys, and I also worked in the cable industry for a while before they were laying fire, oh. so I kind of get what you're doing. Yeah. I think you Stan has just learned that, that there's a specific attraction when he puts on the fireman's uniform. Mm. So he's been you know, able to Kara move. Kara has never really been around. Oh, really? That's kind of like our separate interest. <laughs> not <laughs> so, yet, anyway. Not yet, uh, anyway. Yeah, that'll happen. So, so did you know anything about horses before you fell into this? Uh, yes. Oh, okay. All right. So you were familiar with them and had dealt with them before? Kara is more into the natural horsemanship, um, and I worked in the thoroughbred industry mm. for uh, seven years. What were you doing with so thoroughbreds? What were you doing? I I worked at a farm where we broke yearlings and we 
my boss was also a steeplechase trainer, so I got to float around a little bit and be a steeplechase groom. Oh, cool. That so was cool. I have all the bad qualities in horsemanship. Mm. She's correcting those, isn't she? Yeah, I've come a long way. <laughs> well, you didn't run screaming, and, yeah. and so you, you can't possibly have that many bad qualities. Um, I don't know. Now that I'm seeing new ways of doing things, there's a lot of, like, I, I, uh, I'm more of like the rough, like I can, you know, any crazy horse that won't really, well, it used to win the phase me, but. Well, and, you know, I wish that actually, on a serious note, I wish that we could get more of the thoroughbred trainers. Some of them are coming around, and uh, I think more of them will as time goes on. Um, so good for Kara. I think you phrased that wrong, Joseph. Kara didn't go run screaming away. So, so that was, you have, you have that. Now, what does she have horse-wise? Does she show or, uh, what does she do? Um, mostly just trail riding and she's had her horse, uh, six, I believe. Yes. And, uh, she'll tell you her horse is not broke, but. It's one of the most broke horses we have. So <laughs> she hasn't done much, but the others have done less. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we live on a pretty big farm here in Harrisburg, so we can trail ride whenever we want. And even though she claims her horse is only green broke, she's been the best one on trail rides several times. How many horses do you have? Well, there is a conglomerate between her and her mother there are 14 horses Whoa. on their property that's a lot of poop so um yeah. <laughs> so now when you got out of the thoroughbred business did you go oh, i'm never do- dealing with horses again i'm getting out of it or and then you found kara yeah that sounds about right <laughs> that's kind of what I how did i know that was going to be the answer <laughs> yeah. uh, um we the last, st- I've worked at a lot of bad places. So, like, my last thoroughbred job, I was just like, yeah, I think I'm going to retire. Oh, I'm done with this. We can still have time to talk you out. You're not engaged yet, right? No. So, we still have time to talk you out of it. Yeah, the, yeah. The, there, there's going to be a transformation here that's going to occur once the ring has been, yeah. been well, worn. Well, he hasn't yeah. said he's given her one, so there's that. Oh. I mean, we haven't gotten there yet. It, enjoy it. Enjoy it while you can. <laughs> Kara's going to hate this yeah, whole thing. Yeah, all that stuff is in the planning <laughs> stages. I promised Kara I wouldn't even bring this up, so now I'm in big trouble. Now I'm in big trouble. <laughs> and she said something about well, that's the... fine. I can't... It's coming up on two years. I can't go anywhere without it coming up, so... Yeah. Right. Yeah, you're probably so getting asked the... by every relative, aren't you? When are you going to get engaged? Are you, are you doing horse dates together? What's a typical date that you guys have? Uh, I mean... Um, Dating Mostly, is so far in my past, I don't even remember. They don't. What, they live in Harrodsburg. They don't do much. Uh, <laughs> for, well, hey, we Nathan. actually, we do hike a lot at Shaker Village, and there's some good, we, our dates are very non-traditional. I think we've only been on like a real date two or three times. Mostly, if we have a date, we are kayaking or going on an adventure to a waterfall and or yep yeah, just we don't go to we've we've actually never been to a movie together 
Joseph, have you ever been to uh, Shaker Village outside of Lexington? I, no. Oh, it is. Not yet. It is one of the most beautiful places, and trail riding in the mountains there is incredible. They have a fox hunt that's there. Um, and it going there is the drive from Lexington to there is just beautiful. I mean, it's just beautiful. I'm kind of envious because we used to go to Shaker Village all the time. We love that place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we could actually, there's a utility easement. We could do a little bit of trespassing and actually ride from our house and be at the trails. Yeah. There in the mountains right behind Shaker. Yeah, and it's very hilly, Joseph. It's, it's not quite as hilly as the mountains out where you live, but it's it it's for for Kentucky. It's hilly. Um, it is so beautiful, though. I I do admire you that, and you you do you have all the outdoor stuff you could ever want where you live. Yeah. Well, that's cool. So we can't talk you out of this. You're kind of stuck with her, huh? Yeah, you know, I mean, I've my family always had pleasure horses, so even though I. I wasn't really around people like her or, you know, the horse girls. We kind of, I knew what I was getting into. And she lurks, does she work at Root and Riddle? Yeah. Oh, okay. I actually, I worked there one season as well. What, is she a vet tech? Uh, yes, like nursing staff tech. Cool. That's very cool. Well, we, you know, you're going to get the question about getting engaged until you get engaged, and then it's going to be when's the wedding, and then it's going to be how many kids. So you got all that to look forward to yet. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I don't. Can we make like the barn bigger? Yeah. <laughs> the, when I get the questions, it's not really pressure from people. It's more just like a curious nudge. Yeah. Well, How go, are you guys? Like, it goes from curious nudge to guilt trip pretty soon. So that's coming next. Yeah. yeah. Says, says from the people collectively, Glenn and I have 50 years of marriage to a horse girl. So we're, we're yeah. pretty hooked. <laughs> yeah. we, we think, yeah. <laughs> we do, don't we? Between the two of us. <laughs> yeah, I got 30 some. You got 20. You're right. We do. That sounds like a lot. Yeah, it is a lot. And so we, we might diss on this a little bit, but I, I don't think you can go do any better than, than a really passionate horse girl. Person. Yeah, but I always yeah. said, and Stan, you don't have to agree with this because I want to get in trouble before you're actually engaged. But I always said that the thing that drew, drew me to the horse world was the tight breeches at horse shows. That, yeah, that, that the women are wearing. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And it's nice to have a place you guys can vent where they don't listen. That's right. right. Nobody listens. We have nobody listens to the show. <laughs> or no women are listening to this episode. Nope. Not at all. Kara is not allowed to listen. And if you're listening, Kara, right now, this is your fault. You shouldn't have listened. So <laughs> We warned you. <laughs> that's right. We warned you. Well, Stan, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. And good luck. And, and when is the engagement again? Just thought it. <laughs> oh, sooner than later. How about that? Hey, he could have done it live on a podcast. Uh, yeah, that's right. You could have done it right here. Uh, Nobody uh, listens. I mean, tens of thousands of people around the world wouldn't have heard it. But, uh, yeah, uh, we could have been horse girl kind of would have been go, swept but... off her feet. Yeah, but oh well. We ruined oh, well, that one. Back to eggs. <laughs> yeah, back to Shaker Village on your knee. Uh, are you? Please tell me you're getting married at Shaker Village when you do. Uh, no, I actually have. Our, our parents farm the tier. It's actually a lot cooler than Shaker Village. Oh, cool. Oh, very cool. And there have to be a fire truck. Every fireman that gets married uh, has a fire truck involved. I so. hate those. 
Oh, really? You hate those? I don't want any, no turnout gear, no fire engines. <laughs> They're not going to put the ladders up and you're going to walk under it? <sighs> no, no. Our, um, our department here is a little, it's kind of smaller and I just, no, they can stay. It's, it's filled well, with they a can bunch of guys that, yeah, <laughs> yeah, they can come drink beer, but not in their not in their uniforms. <laughs> yeah, I just I see pictures of other firemen that get married and then they like have their suit and their helmet on and just I, it, I don't like the look of it. Yeah, that's kind of ta- that's kind of tacky a little bit. I think. Um, I think it's very tacky, but don't tell anyone to say that. Okay, I won't. Uh, <laughs> Stan, thanks a bunch. <laughs> Talk to you soon. All right. Thank you, Stan. Bye, Kara. Bye. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us. Uh, Don't forget, if you are looking to get out of the cold and miserable weather in February of next year, we are doing the next Horse Lovers Cruise. And from what I understand, we have like 17 or 18 cabins booked, including you guys, right? Yeah, that's our plan for next year. I, I, I described it to my wife. She went online and she looked at it and she said, book it. And so um, it's appealing to a woman that really doesn't want to leave the ranch, and yet she wants to go on this cruise. Well, it's because it's with horse people. It's a cruise with horse people, but for the horse husbands out there, you don't have to be around horses. There's no shoveling poop. You won't need a shake and fork, because all we're going to be doing is drinking and eating and having some fun on a cruise. Uh, So this one's out of Tampa. It's February the 3rd of next year, the day before the cruise. If you want to, we're all going to get together, and we're going to go see a... Uh, what's called the Big Cat Sanctuary, which is a rescue for for large cats, very large cats. Um, And it's an amazing place. Uh, Jimmy and I went there for our show and got a tour, and and they do good work there rescuing animals, uh, lions and tigers and cougars and everything that have been uh, mistreated around the country, and they keep them there forever, and it's really cool. And then in the afternoon, we're going to go to the aquarium in Tampa, which is literally right beside the boat. Uh, and, and then we're going to go to dinner that night together, all stay at the same hotel, and then head on over the next morning to take a five-night cruise. So You know, it, it surprised us how inexpensive these cruises are. They, I thought, they I really thought cruises are. were... Yeah, we're in the multiple thousands of dollars, but you can get on, get on, uh, get a window, get a deck, you know, pretty much something for every budget. Yeah, and you know, considering that you know when you're on the cruise, all your food, uh, alcohol, you pay separate for that. Happen, that's the way it is in all cruises. But you know, Jennifer and I don't drink that much, so we don't even. If we get one drink a day, it's it's. Uh, it's something. Doesn't add up to that much. But for the heavy drinkers, you can actually get a drink package. But for the drink package, you almost have to drink like eight or ten a day. I would be falling off the damn boat <laughs> at eight or ten a day. I'd be like, that'd be it. But we have a blast. We have the theater reserved, I just found out. They have an actual movie theater. And we have that reserved. We do a game show where we give away prizes and we do fun games, usually horse-related and then some kind of not horse-related for the horse husbands. But last year, everybody won a prize. And we had some good prizes. And there is a podcast that that you have that talks all about this. Yes, and it's at horse or uh, it's at uh, horseloverscruise dot com. Horseloverscruise dot com. Go take a listen. And I just added something to it on that page. There's a second one you can listen to where I interviewed my sister in law who just took this exact same cruise on the exact same boat two weeks ago. So it was their first time cruising, and I asked her all about it. They made the same stops we're making, so it really gives you a good idea of what 
what's all involved and how she liked the boat. So if you're a first-time cruiser, this is a good thing to do with a group. It's always best to go with a group for the first time. And Joseph, I'm so excited. You guys are going, I'll finally meet you in person after all these years. Yeah, <laughs> so, and, and I'll get to meet the auditors and all the other people that listen to us. So it'll be great. It's going to be fun. We're, we're hoping for 30 cabins, and I think we have almost 20 now as of today. So another 10, and I'll be thrilled. And we'll be back on Monday. Jamie will be here. You can follow Horses in the Morning on Facebook or just search for Horses in the Morning. All 2,200 episodes are there for listening pleasure at horsesinthemorning.com. Uh, and Joseph, you can uh, go buy a Flex and Fork or a Shake and Fork where? You can go to equitymanufacturing.com. And, of course, all the other uh, rate shows on the Horse Radio Network. I don't know if you had a chance to listen to Retired Racehorse Radio yet, but they're doing a terrific job with that show. Uh, and we got some new ones that we're working on, too, as well. So we're going to be adding to the collection here very shortly. That's it for today. Thank you, Joseph. Thank you very much. That was a lot of fun. 